Well, here we are, week five. Some of you are probably very excited to almost be through Ephesians. And uh, I don't blame you. It, it can be tough to read on your own. And that's one of the reasons why I thought it'd be good for us to work through this together. But you've made it. We're five weeks in, and, and last week will be our last week of this series. But I hope you could do this by now. But we need to quickly recap, because uh, I don't want anybody to be left out. If you might be, This might be your first time here, or you might have missed a week. So chapter 1, essentially, we talked about unity. That's the will of God for all things. The Holy Spirit allows for unity so that we live a life of worship in response to God. Chapter 2 was Christ breaking down those walls of hostility that divide us so we don't bicker and we all get invited into the grace of God. Chapter 3 put the pressure on us as the church to be the way in which God is revealed to the world. Chapter 4 last week was all about exactly how we do that. We use our gifts and we don't let ourselves and our church be seen as infants or puppies, but our gifts allow us to mature and to continue to move forward so that we can grow up. Today, we're in chapter 5. In chapter 5, Paul gives us some more clear instructions on how we can be the way in which God shares God's grace with the world. So I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We're going to start in the first verse there, Ephesians 5, and we'll go through verse 20. I invite you to stand, if you're able, in honor of the Lord's word. We're reading 20 verses, but stick with me and we'll get through it. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For all this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no, dece- let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why this said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. You can be seated. Wow, what a text for us today. Lots of do's and don'ts, right? Lots of images and directions. And today I'm going to preach it a little bit differently. Uh, 
instead of really breaking this down, really as I read through this, God pointed me back to our story. That story that the ancestors have passed down to us. You remember what happened in Exodus? Exodus chapter 32 is where I'm heading today. And I'm not going to read it, but essentially... I'll give you the lowdown on what happened. So the people of God are wandering through the wilderness. They're wandering and they're in exile. They want so badly to have a home. But they're just not there yet. So God tells Moses to come on. Anybody remember the name of the mountain? Mount Sinai. So Moses goes up there for a few days. To meet with God. To be with God. And while he's up there... God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. There we go. So Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God, and he he writes them down on on these tablets. And Moses is just kind of basking in the presence of God up on the mountain, and, and things seem to be going all right. Well, then Moses gets word from down below that things really aren't going so well. If you remember... When Moses was called up to the mountain, he left his brother Aaron in charge. And, uh, you know, Aaron kind of missed the mark this first time. He really did. Moses comes down off the mountain, and, and the scripture tells us that, that the glory of the Lord was upon him. That Moses was a light. And Moses comes down the mountain to find disappointment. So if you don't remember the story, what, what happened while Moses is gone is his brother Aaron very quickly kind of doesn't do this leadership thing well. He, he, Moses leaves and it doesn't take long and the people of God are just kind of like, hey, we're tired of waiting around on this God, this Yahweh. I mean, yes, he's provided for us. Yes, he's guided our way. Yes, he's good, but... You know, we're kind of just tired of this. We're tired of waiting. We're tired of wandering. Tired of the unknown. So, uh, Aaron, what can you do for us? And, and Aaron's response was, go get your jewelry. Everybody, go get your jewelry. So, imagine today, if, if, if we were seeking after the heart of God together, which we are, and you came in here, and the first thing I said was, Bring your jewelry. Come on, bring it down. Bring it down. Come on, everybody. Earrings, necklace, bracelet, anklet, toe ring, whatever it is. Bring it to us. And, and that's what they did. They, they went home and they got their jewelry and they brought it. And they melted it down. And they made an idol. An idol in the form of a calf. Of all things. Okay, so instead of trusting this Yahweh, this God, this provider that has seen us through this far, he's not acting on our time, so we've created this idol. And maybe, just maybe, this idol will do better than God. Well, Moses comes down off the mountain, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a light, he's ready, he's got the Ten Commandments. And he comes down to find a golden calf on the altar and the people are worshiping it. And to say that he was mad is an understatement. Because you remember what the text tells us is he comes down off the mountain and what does he do? He throws the tablets. 
He's just so mad. And you know, I don't think it's wrong that he was mad because that's exactly what Paul was telling us a few weeks ago. Moses began to speak the truth in love. He smashed the tablets. He got on them. And it was all out of love because he saw the disorder that this is not what God was talking about. This is not the God that I didn't just spend days up on a mountain with a cow. I just spent days up on the mountain with the Almighty God who is giving us His Word. Well, when Moses came off of that, of that mountain, his tribe, the people of God, they were exposed by the light. When he bears the light of God into the darkness that they've fallen into, he's absolutely furious. He speaks the truth in love. And it might have been a harsh moment, but that's what the people of God needed. They needed a wake-up call. You see, if Moses could have ever read these words of Paul, I think he would be screaming, Yes! Stop! Do not think that you can just dabble in something that is so contrary to God. Because a toe in the shallow end quickly turns into a dive in the deep end. The people of God in Exodus 32, they went from having all that they needed, all that they needed, to having a golden calf and no more jewelry. They looked for a quick fix to that problem. You see, I think that's why here Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. Why, why, why would he include that here? Because what he's saying to us is, don't turn to that short-term answer, right? Don't turn to that thing that can, can make you forget about your problem. And then when you sober up or get bored of it, or whatever it might be for that issue, the golden calf is still on the altar. It's a quick attempt to fix the issue at hand, when in reality it just weakens our awareness of the issue at hand. I think Paul and Moses are saying the exact same thing to us. They say, don't reach for those things that are close and seem like a good replacement for God. Uh, you see, Paul just called that idolatry. And so did Moses. But rather be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. As a worship pastor, this is a verse that I would always come back to often. The Scripture tells us to sing. And it also tells us to sing hymns and other songs. So I... The worship wars is solved in one verse of scripture. But I think we're through that, and thanks be to God. But that's really besides our point today. But why are we to sing? Well, let me ask another question. Does anybody in here remember any parts of the sermon from this Sunday two years ago? The last Sunday in August two years ago. Come on, somebody. Okay, I'll even give you a hint. It was in our Defining Moments series. Josh worked through some Old Testament figures. Anybody? Well, does anybody remember the song 
that we sang to begin that service? No? Okay, I'll give you a hint for that one. Nope, that, that was the Goliath series, but that's a good, good guess. The song that we sang that day started, Down at the cross. Down at the cross where the Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Well, you remember that. Hmm. Well, that's, this is not to say that it was a bad sermon that day, but rather sermons are meant for a season and something current going on. But our songs, they allow for our theology to be carried. They carry on through generations, and they give us a tune that we can all sing together, Right? That's why even if I had the first sentence to that sermon, you couldn't join in with me. But songs give us a tune that we can unite around, and we can remember lyrics and words. When we keep these songs on our hearts and our lips, the Word of God can, can continue to be on our mind. The Word can penetrate and fill the voids where we look to something close to become an idol. I want to introduce you to another song today. One of my favorite songs, it's called Clear the Stage. And we're going to listen to the whole thing and watch this video. And I wouldn't normally watch a whole five-minute song. But this week, as I prepared and we just kept hit, getting hit with this idolatry thought, I thought, man, we need to hear this. So, Courtney, will you play that video for us?
anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. Anything that I can't stop thinking of is an idol. And anything that I give all my love is an idol. Church, if we're not careful, we'll be serving an idol that we made out of something close, something convenient. And we will have completely fallen away from the God who has always been faithful to provide. I'll end with this story today. My cousin Josh and I, we were essentially brothers. We're cousins, but we're brothers. And uh, Josh lived with us for a couple of years in high school. Some of you have gotten a chance to meet him as he's hopped into town for sometimes literally eight hours and been out of town. But uh, So we, we were very, very close. And in high school, he had the opportunity to live with us for two years. And so that just drew us even closer. Well, I have another best friend whose name is Wesley. And, and Wesley and I also became like brothers in high school. And uh, he was the guy that you never really had to invite over you just expected him to be at your house on Friday night my parents always just automatically cooked more because they just assumed Wesley was going to be there and sometimes they'd even set another plate at the dinner table and we'd sit down and where's Wesley and it's the you know he would hang out with his family every once in a while but so Wesley and I were really close and Josh and I were really close so naturally when Josh moved in with us the three of us became very close. Wesley and Josh are now very close. And, and so when you're a teenager in a small town, so I, at that time we were living in Manchester, Georgia. If you're unaware, Manchester is very small. Uh, it's a quaint little community with a couple of red lights. And um, they now only have one grocery store because the owner of the Piggly Wiggly bought the other grocery store just so that he could set his own prices and have no competition. Besides the point, no one's salty. Uh, so Manchester, small town, three high school boys, uh, and, and we were all dedicated Christ followers at the time. So, so we, we, we weren't those kind of teenagers that could just sit in the house and play video games all the time. I mean, we had video games and we would play, but, you know, we had to go out and do stuff and find stuff to get into. And I mean, you know, we never got arrested or that kind of thing, but you, you just got to find things to do, right? Small town. So... We, uh, we did things like, well, first of all, to set the stage for you even more, our, our parsonage there uh, didn't have a backyard at all, and it had somewhat of a decent front yard. Uh, but living in a parsonage, we were right next to the church, and the church has a huge front yard and a huge backyard and a playground on the side. So the possibilities were endless, right, for a bunch of teenage boys. All this land, a church building... Lots of great things could happen. Well, one day we were rummaging through the shed because that's what you do when you're looking for something to do. And so in the shed we found, uh, you know those miniature skateboards that really don't look big enough for anybody to ride, but for some reason they sell and you can get them at theme parks, you can get them on vacation. They're really useless. Well, for some reason there was one in our shed. So we found that and we thought, okay, great, skateboard. So... You know, we took turns riding the skateboard around a little bit, and, and that got old very quickly. And so Wesley had just gotten this old Chevy S10 
from, I want to say it was his grandfather, uh, but he, he'd just gotten this, this Chevy, and so, I mean, and we're, and we're talking, I mean, it was from the 90s, so think very, very small pickup truck, right? Two-door, it was, but it was the kind of pickup truck right now that all of us would kill to have, but they're still charging like 10 grand for them. So, that kind of truck, and and so we quickly put together, we have a skateboard, and we have a truck. Skateboard and a truck. What could we do? What could we do? Thinking, thinking, thinking. And so our thoughts began to dabble. We began to think of things. Our thoughts went from safe to not so safe. And, and so slowly, as we stepped a little deeper into the deep end, we began getting great ideas. Many involved rope, but we didn't have any rope. So we had this idea. Wesley parked his truck just outside of the driveway facing the church driveway so that we could go from our house to the church. Josh got the skateboard, stood behind the truck on the skateboard, held, held onto the tailgate. Ryan stood in the front yard and I had my phone out like this, right? We were ready. Well, I look at Josh. He looks at me and he gives me the nod. I look at Wesley. He looks at me and gives me the nod. So then I return the nod back to him that is from Josh saying, Josh is ready. All right, we're good to go. And in the second that Wesley took his foot off of the brake pedal, and went to the gas pedal. My dad comes cresting over the hill and pulls into the driveway. He rolls down the windows. And, and my dad is so, so gracious. And this is how my dad would parent. He rolls down the windows as he's pulling in bias, and all he says is, no, 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 no. He rolls up the windows, turns the car off, doesn't even look at us. No, 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 and walks in the house. And that's all he had to say. <sighs> Needless to say, we never got to pull the skateboard with the truck and see how fast we could get it. But, you know, I think we can so easily begin to dabble in things. And it goes from oh, we're just teenage boys looking for something to do to oh, now there's a skateboard. Now there's a vehicle involved. And now terrible things could really happen. <laughs> and that's how idolatry begins. We're bored we're tired of waiting on God. We feel like God's not there. So we reach for what we have. And we begin to release ourselves to whatever that may be. And today, I'm thankful for a gracious God that through the power of the Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts and our lives and say, No, 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 no. 
And that very same God can act in the same way that Moses did as he came down the mountain and he smashes the tablets and he says, no, 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 not so gracefully, right? Oh, but boy, we need that Holy Spirit that we just keep talking about to guide us and direct us and to keep us away from the idolatry that can so quickly slip in. And you know, that's part of living a sanctified life is that the Holy Spirit continuously draws us away from idolatry. Because I'll, I'll read the lyrics of that song again. It, he didn't say anything about building a, an altar. He didn't say anything about building a calf. He didn't say anything about melting down our jewelry. But anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all of my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. And anything that I give all my love to is an idol. As he said, we must not worship something that's not even worth it. And today I don't know what it is for you. But every time I listen to that song, it's something else in my life. That is just slowly trying to pull me into the deep end. You know, we, we as a society can slip into idolatry. We as a church can slip into idolatry. And we as individuals can slip into it so easily. And that was never our intention. You know, I, I like to cut the people of God in the Old Testament some slack. They were just like us. They were trying to figure out this God, this Yahweh. And they just got distracted for a little bit. If you've been distracted, I want you to know that there is a gracious God that is speaking to you today and just wants to say, no, no, no. Let it go. You've been distracted for a long time and something is taking all of your attention and affection. That same gracious God can walk into the temple of your heart and flip over some tables today and crack out a whip and say, no, 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 not in my house. So I invite you today. Let's pray together. Let's, let's, let's consider what it might be that is drawing our attention, our affection Sometimes it could be even security and safety. Sometimes it could be your kids. Sometimes it could be your parents. Sometimes it can be your significant other. They're important, but they're not our God. You see, Paul wants us today to realize that idolatry has one outcome. And that's death. As Paul reminds us over and over, the wages of sin is death. And idolatry is sin. And it will lead us to the path of destruction. So today I invite you, let's, let's pray together. If you need to, to come to the altar, feel free to do so. But would you pray that the Holy Spirit would search your heart in these next few moments? Father, we graciously come before you today with this, this message from Ephesians 5. 
this message from Exodus 32. This message that continues to ring over and over and over throughout the history of the people of God. If we're not careful, if we're not listening for your spirit, we will fall into idolatry. Help us today, Lord. That's not what we want. We want to seek after the Jesus who invited us into relationship through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. Lord, we want to know you better. We want to give you our attention and our affection, our devotion. Lord, we ask today that you would break down those strongholds of idolatry that that could be gripping our hearts today. That Lord, when we find ourselves thinking about something else so much more than we think about you, Lord, forgive us and we repent. We turn from those things. And Lord, when we begin to just put a toe in the shallow end and we grab for those things that are close to us to form a better answer, our answer, would you simply show up and just say, no, no, no. And may we respond in humility and understanding that you're God and you're better than anything we could grab any substance that we could turn to, but that you are provider and sustainer and we are your children, your followers. Lord, help us today. Help us today to to look like you, to sound like you, and to be aware of the world around us that will so quickly try to pull us right back into idolatry. But may you be the thing that consumes our hearts and our lives today. Lord, we ask all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace It's my prayer today, church, that this is our song that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who will always provide, the one who will always be there, and the one that will always point us in the direction that leads to life and life eternal. And that today is good news for us, church. Would you stand and receive a blessing? May the God of all grace and all peace provide you with the Holy Spirit that sanctifies you through and through and calls you into holy living, that leads you away from idolatry and into the fullness of life in Christ.
Would you go in that grace and peace today? Amen.